0: the Ostier, mysterious fortification built on the side of an old castrum, a Gallo-Roman fortress sat 50 miles from Nantes. There, in the valley of the Crom River, Duray established a laboratory for alchemic experiments in one of the distant wings of his impregnable castle. It contained the most current medieval apparatuses and paraphernalia. Unaware of Duray's intent to produce gold, the locals spent their long days in the fields and mills owned by DeRay. The ramshackle huts were blackened with soot, the furnishings consisting mainly of lice written straw, always sleeping on pallets with rats incessantly gnawing on their roofs. During the summer, these peasants tried to relieve the monotony by adorning their homes with bright yellow and purple flowers from the very poisonous henbane plant. Gales lived an existence far removed from these workers, especially in the warm months. Throughout the year, as he bathed in solitary luxury, he always was dreaming of gold. Some days, as he fell into his black depression, totally exhausted on those occasions after having uncontrollable thoughts about Joan of Arc, he directed that all castle windows be covered. Finally, after recovering from his deep despotency, he would order fiery torches to be lit throughout the high vaulted rooms. Only then did the great Lord de descend from his stone chamber. He strolled down the winding staircases and narrow corridors into his laboratory, so that he could carefully inspect his steaming furnaces, his bubbly vessels of distillation, his retorts. To operate this laboratory effectively, the marshal sent his trusted friend, Gilles de Sille, another distant relative to seek out individuals who understood the science involved in producing gold. Word spread and men and women from all over France, Italy and Germany knew of a very rich nobleman's interest in obtaining alchemic results, no matter how they were achieved. Magicians and charlatans, rather than true alchemists, scrambled to find their way to his lordship. I'm not, and I'm just. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> and then I'm too. For- <laughs> no,
1: boy wait, wait, i have something for him Boom,
0: you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why
1: all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the dude. Wow. FY, there's nothing wrong. with about-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Retails we Podcast I am your host Moses Soria and with me to my left is my brother Josh Yo, what's up? Sitting directly in front of me is Archie What, what the fuck? Make sure you edit the <laughs> fuck out of that What is and wrong And today you? we're continuing with part three of our Gilderay series Trying to hype myself
1: Well, Drink more coffee, man you, I'm gonna hear you scream like that it's a
2: Sunday, well now afternoon, we started at in the morning
0: yeah, now well, it's afternoon. Now no, it's, it's it's noon. It's noon. Already? It's noon. It's you twelve. Twelve sixteen. Oh fuck! So shout out to you know. So shout out to the sources for of material for you know for the series. Most of the information for the series is coming from Bluebeard, Brave Warrior, Brutal Psychopath by Valerie Ogden. Other sources we have used on the series are the horrific crimes of Gilles de revisited by Jack Smith and the secrets of history Gilles de which can be found on Amazon Prime. So last week we covered Joan of Arc and the effect she had on not only Gilles De Ray but on France. We learned about her visions, her heroic battle of Orleans, and her sad demise in the hands of the English after the failed attempt to free Paris. We found out about how DeRay coped with, coped with the loss of Joan by staging these grandiose, elaborate theater productions, and how these productions bankrupted Gilles De Ray. So we left off with De Ray now not having a purpose in life. He was no longer a warrior. His theater productions led him to bankruptcy and now his family and the king of France took away all his sellable assets. So without seeing a way out and hoping to recoup his finances, DeRay started looking to other means on getting back his fortune, first dealing with alchemy, then embracing the allure of the devil and his black magic. So sit back and enjoy as we find out the lengths of which Gilderay went to try and recoup his lost fortune with part three, Gilderay, Alchemy, and the Devil. This is cursed. So this guy is broke broke. He's broke. He's broke. He's, he, broke. he's broke 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 Well, I mean Broke, broke, broke. Well this is, yeah, well, this is um Toward the end of the seven hundred million dollars he had that we learned from last episode. This yeah. is when he's starting to run out. And you're gonna find out. Remember how I said he ran out of that money in three fucking years. Three years. Mm-hmm. That's all it took. How it took to, for him to be, for his funds to be decimated. And you're gonna find out how exactly he got rid of so much money in this episode. So, master alchemists from Paris, which were the center of hermetists, they found the route to be too dangerous. to the English blocked the main roads. They preferred to work secretly anyways under the Cathedral of Notre Dame. The fear of travelling to Tifouge was reinforced when they, heard an and when they heard an acquaintance had drowned as he crossed the river to get there, after being engulfed in a thick, freezing fog. Another alchemist perished in a cold drizzle as soon as he reached the Duray's territories. DeRay acknowledged this occurrence at his trial. He went on to attribute these unlucky deaths to divine clemency and the intercession of the church. Since those who lived in Europe during the Middle Ages believed in God and the devil, they were always present and competed for one's allegiance. Gilles thought himself as a devout Christian, even though he played around with many forbidden practices like, you know, black magic and a little something called rape and murder. But he's still Christian. But he's still Christian. Like many serial killers, DeRay loved to dehumanize his victims. Like, for example, Robert Berdella. He raped, tortured and killed at least 6 men in Kansas City in the late 80's before getting caught after his final victim escaped wearing nothing but a dog collar. Then we have David Parker Ray aka the Toy Box Killer who would knock his female victims out, kidnap them, then fasten them to a steel gynecologist chair before they were awake. Then he would play a tape with his infamous welcome to hell speech telling them that she was that they were about to be used as a human sex doll. And if that wasn't bad enough, after he kidnapped and raped the woman, he would throw parties where his friends would take turns raping the victim and then she would be put in a dog breeding cage. From there he would place the woman in his living room and allow both of his dogs to rape the woman repeatedly while he watched. So DeRay believed that poor children, his main prey, were not much better than dumb farm animals. Which is why, despite his butchery, he would justify that he remained a good Catholic. Because he really wasn't doing anything wrong. Because he because remember, he only looked at Satan temporarily. And not like he was worshipping him. It's not like he was worshipping him. He was just looking to get his money back. So this whole time, he kept saying, I'm not evil. I know I killed people. I know I killed these children. But they're just, they're shit. They're, they, they ain't shit. And it's like I wasn't worshipping Satan. I was just, trying to get my money back for a little bit. Jean Petit, a Parisian goldsmith, along with an English goldsmith, were two of the first to find their way to DeRay, who was thrilled to have them. then hired some adventurers from Italy where alchemy was not only practiced freely, but openly. Desperate to regain his fortune, DeRay insisted that these men conduct continuous experiments, which, if you couldn't have guessed, never worked. Duret became furious as the failures mounted. He read and read and read the manuscripts of Nicholas Flamel, the 14th century alchemist who supposedly had obtained the Philosopher's Stone. For as much as he read, his text remained incomprehensible. Duret paced his laboratory back and forth. He roamed the desolate hallways of of his castle, desperately looking for an insight into Flamel's alchemic riddle. Have you guys watched the new Harry Potter series? The new Harry Potter spin-off movies?
2: Oh, the... Uh, the one with Johnny
0: Depp? With Johnny Depp? Yeah, he's the villain. Have you guys so seen those movies? The something creatures or something? That was the first one. And the, s- in the second one, something, The Crimes of Granderwald Oh, yeah. Old. Have you guys seen those? Hell no. No? I
2: tried watching one of them. I'm like...
0: The first one was good. Sorry. first one was
2: good. Fantastic Beasts.
0: Yeah. yeah. The second one... Eh. But in the second one... They actually have a character named Nicholas Flamel, and he's an old, al- he's an, un- an-, an immortal alchemist in the Harry Potter movie. Hey. In the Harry Potter, okay. in the Harry Potter I'll, I'll watch it for that reason. So then, a goldsmith from anger showed up one spring afternoon, and this is where the shit show begins.
2: A short, unshaven man with thin, gray, oily hair said that he was a familiar or familiar with alchemy, but demanded to work alone in complete silence. He ordered DeRay's servants to bring up his heavy trunks containing all his equipment onto the laboratory before them shushing them out as quickly as they came in. Hours went by before and nothing. So one of the Gill's flunkies went to investigate and found the old man passed out, lying, lying on his back with a few empty bottles. DeRay immediately kicked out the drunk who left with a silver mark.
0: How pissed would you be if someone walked into your house? I'm legit. I'm legit. You're asking someone, I need help. Someone walks in. He starts yelling at everybody, bring my shit. Give me my shit up. Goes into his room and says, I need to work in complete silence. You're like, oh shit, okay. A few hours come by, nothing happens, and you can check up on him. Hey, dude, passed out, drunk out of, off of Bud Light Lime. This dude said Bud
1: Light
2: Lime. I'll be mad if he
0: didn't share.
1: <laughs> you like Bud Light Lime?
0: And look, say uh, that again. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> and that's the thing, look, the the the, the drunk hooligan, whatever, yeah. he ended yeah. up he even though he didn't do anything, he left with a silver mark. Every time someone would come in, they would always tell Duray because they knew they weren't gonna do shit for him. They knew they were lying to him. But like if you want me to help you, you gotta pay up front. Yeah. And DeRay desperate, desperate, he would always pay okay. up front. Pay up. And over and over again as you're gonna find out. He was gonna get swindled out of his money. So as the disappointments escalated, so did his lack of sleep. He would go days and nights without sleep, just to avoid the nightmares. While he drank a shit ton, he barely ate. His eyes, now pale, would dart from corner to corner of the rooms. He would impatiently watch over the alchemists, as he hoped for a miracle, but the failures kept dragging on. So while this shit show was going on, DeRay still had other matters he needed to deal with, and the reminders of the maid kept occurring as a woman claiming to be Joan of Arc appeared during this time. And you're right, it is a shit show. So a woman appeared claiming to be
1: the maid of Orleans who not only fooled DeRay, but also Joan of Arc's real life brothers. She had everyone fooled so much that the city of Orleans even threw festivals in her honor.
0: That is fucked. That is fucked. Swindle
1: the swindles. Hey, what what if it was her? Yeah, I doubt she survived <laughs> being fucking burned. Hey, <laughs> 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 afterlife. This, this was said afterlife, bro. She saw the visions, hey, bro.
0: She didn't become a saint until 500 years later. That's true. Never <laughs> <So>. mind. <Death. laughs> She's a piece of
1: shit. Keep going, Josh.
0: Okay. I mean, I want to laugh. I want to go that far. <laughs> I want to go that far.
1: So she looked almost identical to Joan, but wasn't as enthusiastic or passionate. Which she claimed was due to her long incarceration. So she appeared and people were like, I mean, you're acting different. She was like, No shit. I was was in jail. I was burnt. This false Joan rode a horse and gave orders to soldiers, which they obeyed. She insisted that she had escaped from the flames set by the English. All of the Jones at say I know you wanna say something. I would just scream out, Witch! (laughs) (laughs) So she insisted that she had escaped from the flames set by the English all of the jones admirers prayed for this to be true gill was especially hopeful that this was the case for he worshiped joan whose death was kind not really but yes really the reason for his mental decline his possible ptsd and the psychopathy charles the seventh unmasked the impostor's web of lies when he finally met with her he identified her as half sister who could not tell him about a secret that he.
0: And the real Joan of Arc shared. Imagine, that's how she was found out. She looked like her. Dude, everyone believed this was Joan of Arc. The whole town.
1: The whole fucking town. The believe. city
0: of Orleans. Dude, not even that. She was giving orders to soldiers. The, to soldiers and they obeyed. That's how much she looked like fucking Joan of Arc. Damn. And then fucking, who was it? Charles, right? It was yeah. Charles. He went up to her. He was like, hey, do you remember what happened? the other? Day? Do you remember what happened? She was like, uh. He was like, imposter.
1: Nah, he just walked up to her and all he said was butt plugs. She's like, what? <laughs> Butt plugs. It <Hey>, Buster! <laughs> so, after tearful acknowledgement, she and her family quickly moved to Rome, where she said she was going to ask the Pope for forgiveness. But truth be told, she probably only went to Rome to the large population of French who
0: lived there, who she might be able to swindle. So, after she was caught, she was like, my bad, I'm sorry. And her and her family actually bolted the Fuck
1: out of France. Skirt. But before the king discovered she was a fraud, De, Ray's, De Ray engaged this imposter when she was going to retake Le Mans. The Le, Le Mans. He paid for her military expedition against the goddamns by selling more of his things. Even though he wasn't a soldier anymore, he might have felt that his maiden would need his assistance in any campaign she might partake in. So, after this Joan was proven to be false, DeRay replaced her with one of his captains, John De Sheikville. Sheikh Vell so, so Jean de Sheikville. Jean de Sheikville.
0: A man no better than the goddamns. So when all of this was going on with the imposter Joan of Arc, yeah. De Ray Became enthusiastic again. He was kind of his hope. That she was still alive, kind of cured whatever depression he had. So, and all he wanted to do was believe that this um, that this impostor was really Joan of Arc. So he did everything in his power he could to help her. He sold his he sold carpets, anything he had left, he sold and sent over to this impostor, hoping that it really was Joan of Arc. like when I was reading that, I was like, God, that poor son of a bitch. Damn. So like my brother mentioned, after they found out that this that it was not Joan of Arc, but her half-sister, De Ray put one of his men in charge, Jean de Chicville. So this piece of shit He was French, remember? Yeah. He wasn't English. He was French. But this piece of shit had his men pillage the French countryside instead of fighting the english he bullied raped and killed all those who would not give over their belongings and he made a good living off of this too as he would obliterate villages with no defenses they cannot agree to his terms she would go up to a village and be like hey you guys don't have any defense and they give us whatever the fuck we want We will kill you any woman we want we will kill you before the english get to a lot of times, the fucking farmer, what the hell are they going to give you? So he just decimate these villages. I have corn. But in 14... <laughs> but in for, Here's some mesquite. <laughs> but in 1439, Charles, he issued an ordinance which ended all this nonsense. He had people like Chicville arrested and thrown into dungeons. Charles brought in a more democratic, structured Europe under his rule where law and order replaced violence. And one of those big reasons why was his son so charles dispatched his son the future louis the 11th to put an end to this type of behavior throughout his kingdom louis had his hands in every fucking thing and knew about everyone so much so that they called him the universal spider because of his reach throughout his father's kingdom and because he was skinny and kind of looked like one. Oh fuck. Let's see a photo of this. So Louis had De Chicville imprisoned in one of his own chateaus, which was just a few miles away from De Ray and Tiffouge, and this made De Ray nervous. As Louis insinuated to De Ray that he was not above the law. So fucking so uh Louis he put Jean de chicville in jail in his own house. He's like Like, I'm gonna keep you in my own house to make sure you're gonna pay for whatever the fuck you did. And this house was maybe they said like eight miles away from fucking DeRay which back then you that's back to your neighbors, yeah. And he told Duray, like, hey, dude, you are like everybody else, the law, you are not better than the law. And remember. Deray grew up thinking he was above the law. His grandfather Jean de taught him, "You are above the law." So now here, here so now here, de Ray, here's Deray doing all this illegal shit in his king in his castle of Tiffouz. When this motherfucker moves in practically next door, so you know he would often visit Deray out of the blue, and this made things unpleasant for Deray. His random check-ins made DeRay tear down one of his alchemic furnaces used in his illegal experiments. So one time while Louis was waiting impatiently in the courtyard waiting to be let in, DeRay had his servants destroy his whole laboratory and had them erase any sign of their black magic. The last thing DeRay wanted was for Louis to even get a hint of him practicing anything close to black magic. Soon after he let Louis, soon after he let Louis in. And invited him to partake in a hastily prepared banquet. DeRay listened to the stories of large homosexual orgies being told by a few of Louis's men that took place on the island of Capri after Nui left. He drank and drank as the men recounted the graphic stories in details at DeRay's request. So after the visit, DeRay stopped his experiments on trying to create gold. However, he confided with his close homosexual companions. Eustache Blanchet, who was a 40-year-old priest, Gil De Sille, a knight and a distant cousin, and his cousin Roger. Roger. He confided in them that he was done, no one could produce any gold for him, and he had no choice but to carry on and start dealing with black magic full time. He was certain that Satan would be able to bring him the gold he needed if he just paid him proper homage. The only problem was that he didn't know how to communicate with the devil. And they didn't object. So the Catholic Church at this point in time kind of told you how to live your life. Catholics believed in all the powerful, omnipresent God, along with the always ever-present Prince of Darkness, ready to tempt all. And DeRay was no different, except at this point in his life, he had no moral support. He was in financial straits and had his mental problems which made him turn to the devil for help. Most of those who practiced black magic were frauds. They all made good money conducting their tricks and they came from all walks of life. And they've made the money by fooling the desperate and the foolish. And ray he epitomized those who were duped by these imposters. And one of the first to take advantage of ray was a sorcerer named Jean de la Riviere.
2: And so Jean de la Riviere promised to help Ray speak with the devil. The night after he arrived at uh, Ray's castle, dressed in white armor and toting his supposed magical sword, he clanked his way to the forest outside of Ray's fortress. He thinks Jean was like, he likes Joan of Arc, she wore white armor think he might believe me if I wear white armor
0: or I mean that's that's a good possibility because remember these guys are all about trying to trick you that's true so they got to so they're gonna do your homework that's true you know what I mean that's true so
2: DeRay's uh, along with his men Henriette and Coriola hesitantly follow trembling in the black night DeVirier, uh left them and disappeared into the forest promising to find Satan and to speak to him on DeRay's behalf What they heard coming from the direction a short while after uh, were weapons clattering, shouting, and wailing, when suddenly the group saw the Deliverier running towards them. He told them the devil was in no mood to be striking any deals, as he appeared to him as a leopard. The group beyond petrified, with Deliverier being the most petrified, raced back to the castle where they just drank, and ate, and forgot about the encounter in the woods. A few days later, however, De De La Reverie uh, was also a doctor who told De Ray that he had to leave to retrieve more of his magical instruments, but what he needed money for was actually for the journey. De Ray happily obliged with 20 gold crowns, telling uh, De La Reverie to hurry back. However, he bowed, thanked De Ray, and was never seen again.
0: This, happen- this is going to happen over and over again. But remember, how fucking scary was that sight be? So you're DeRay. This dude comes up to you and like, hey, I can speak to the devil for you. And this dude's dressed kind of like your heroine, kind of like yeah. Joan of Arc. So that kind of, you uh, immediately he's like. you already tricked. Yeah, so immediately he's like, oh, sh-. immediately visually he's engaged. He's like, oh, shit. And they're like, okay. And he goes like, follow me. They're like, oh, 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 all right, fuck it. So middle of the night, they go onto the forest. This dude's swinging his magical sword, saying a bunch of shit, tells him to stop wait right here I'm gonna go speak to the devil and he fucks off into some bushes a little while later all you hear is weapons clattering I'm pretty sure he's just hitting his own armor just clink clink you know just all you hear is that shit and this dude starts running after you they all fucking freak out and just bolt like dude fuck this they go back to the castle they just eat and drink to forget and all that shit that happened so this dude's like hey man I, I, I can help you out, but I need to go back and get some of my shit back. Like I need more of my shit back because that wasn't no mood, and I need to put more powerful things. Can you get some money so I can go back and forward? Yeah, okay. Here, here's 20 gold crowns, dude. Thank you. Bolted. Dre's like, Uh so you just took off?
2: He's like, hey, bruh, brb. But uh, you drive.
0: He never spa? brb. never <laughs> <laughs> brb. He, 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 he said brb, but he meant was GG. G- <laughs> So a new wizard arrived short after and this one had a dust this one had dusty silver hair and big shoulders I believe this one. As soon as he arrived he formed the familiar symbols and signs of the rites on the floor. The sorcerer sketched the circle with, with a long rod then tossed powder into some coals, muttering a bunch of gibberish and gibberish. He then ordered the ray and the sail to step into the circle. It was early May but outside the sky suddenly burst with hail with hail. And the val- and the valley suddenly became a snowfield. Scared shitless, Gil de Sill refused to enter the circle. But not only did he refuse, he was clutching a statue of the Virgin Mary. So this dude walks in, does all the satanic shit on the floor. He's like, "Hey, step in!" And this dude's holding the Virgin Mary, going, "Uh, uh, 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 uh." he started anxiously, so. Duray started to anxiously make the sign of the cross when the wizard began his incantations. He warned Duray to stop his Christian praying. Duray was scared shitless. He began to recite more Christian prayers under his breath. The wizard yelled at Duray to get out, get out of the circle. Gildasile who was known to be a brave warrior got so scared that he fucking jumped out a window. The said, "Fuck this!" and ran out the door. So this dude walks in, doing all this shit. He tells the Ray, so Ray, "Does the you know the yeah. the symbol of the cross and he steps into the circle." He, he just, hey man, you better not be doing that shit. This is May. This is about to be summer. When suddenly, the sky goes dark and it starts snowing, hailing. It starts hailing, and so these dudes are starting to freak out. Dre's like, "Oh shit!" and he starts doing the my, the pattern, the nest, nest, because I'm saying, <laughs> hey, "Stop! Stop! Stop!" And he gets the fuck out. Fucking DeSale, he's holding on to a statue of the Virgin Mary that's by a window. This dude's so scared, he's like, fuck this, he just jumps out. Drayton did the same thing, and he just bolted, he's like, fuck this, I'm done.
1: Maybe this guy was a real deal, and they they just couldn't.
2: They couldn't. You wanted to
0: fuck with the devil. Yeah. Pussies. So immediately after, strange sounds of flailing started coming from the room.
1: What the fuck?
0: The wizard was found unconscious with marks on his swollen limbs and large bumps on his head. DeRay insisted he be carried to DeRay's own room, where a priest heard his confession and administered his last sacrament. So he thought he was done. Like, dude, we need to hear your last confession. Your last confession. do also that, You know, and you go heaven. The wizard didn't die from his wounds, though. He quickly recovered, but this experience kind of freaked out the already freaked out DeRay. So DeRay soon got tired of the wizard's shitty attitude and replaced him with Jean of Picardy. Jean suggested to DeRay to sign a request in blood so that Satan or one of his demons might be more willing you know, to chop it up with them. So he drew up a document on a parchment, DeRay then pricked his right pinky and with his own blood inscribed his name. Jean then conducted a forbidden ritual outside, near the village of Magikou. But apparently the contract signed in blood and the incantation and the incantations were not enough for Satan as nothing happened. Finally, DeRay and the rest of the guys said fuck it and went to the nearest bar to get a drink. As soon as the bartender brought them their drinks, the bartender whispered to DeRay, Hocus Pocus, and told DeRay that he knew Picard, that he knew that he was a fake. De then hired another Satanist by the name of Dumesnil, of Dumenzil, who was rumored to be the same knight that gave De Ray the pamphlet of alchemy early on. Remember, in the last episode, we found out that when De Ray was a knight. Well, when he well, when De Ray was in, when he was um, the Marshal of France, mm. a knight gave him a pamphlet of alchemy. And he kept it. And this guy. Dumez Nail was rumored to be That, same, that same night But he too Flooded DeRay with failures and proved to be Another quack as well Quack! So DeRay was at Wit's end and confused He often asked him. He often asked himself out loud Why no one invoke the devil For him He wanted to speak to him He needed to speak to the devil Then Gil's mood suddenly changed and he became overjoyed when a 22-year-old clerk named Francesco Prelati arrived at tifuge and once again the invocation of demons began so at duret's request Blanchet, a stocky fat priest and one of duret's close homosexual associates had been sent to italy in search of somebody who knew what the fuck they were doing when it came to the forbidden arts blanchet had first sent over Jean de la Riviere, who actually recently spoke about, and even though he proved to be a liar, Duray still trusted his judgement, plus he was the only one in the group who kinda of spoke any Italian, you know, and which was important because the, if only for the fact that Italy was the center of alchemy, and it's where he discovered Perlati. Perlati was a young student who was intrigued by the occult and studied it seriously he became a devotee and left the church. While meeting with DeRay, he explained that he bragged to a priest about him having successfully communed with Satan. He actually told DeRay I've spoken with the devil myself. So after he had been treated to feasts at DeRay's expense, he accepted the offer and traveled to Tifuge.
1: So the slender, dark-haired Francesco Perlati with his Roman nose, full mouth, and olive skin, was beautiful. Fluent in Latin, he also knew some French and had knowledge of poetry and geomancy. So now I know why Gil likes
0: this dude. He was pretty, bro. He was pretty. Do you guys remember early Game of Thrones when Drogo season one, when he was still, when Drogo was still in the show? Yeah, and they swapped out the characters that became uh, K- uh, Khaleesi's right hand man. He used to be this pretty dude with blonde, blonde hair, uh-huh. and then the next season they s- swapped him up with some. Them up? Yeah, they just swapped. This dude was that. He was pretty. That was kind of pretty, bro.
1: Mm. It's
0: pretty pretty. pretty. And and this dude, he was fluent in poetry and geomancy. And this was two of DeRay's favorite childhood studies. Which you can listen to all about on our episode thirty-eight in *Guild of the Part One curse the black planet
1: he exhibited such grace such as an ir- um, irresistible charm that he immediately won over de he wasn't stupid either he knew how to take advantage of de and his gullibility soon they developed a sexual relationship de adored francesco while francesco loved the opportunities de ray could afford him de ray's like i don't care if you know about this or not Dude, he fell in. Lo- DeRay fell in love with, with Perlati. Yeah. It was pretty. He liked his dick more than his ass.
0: It was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> he was stigmatized <laughs> He was digmatized. Holy shit! So Perlati, he did everything in his power to ingratiate himself into DeRay's everyday life. <laughs> he did everything DeRay asked of him regarding trying to contact the devil. He inserted himself into DeRay's personal affairs because he wanted to be a part of DeRay's life, but only to remain on the payroll. He wasn't like the other wizards and Satanists that saw DeRay as a means to a quick buck. He was in it for the long con. So while Perlati's attempts to tr- to try and summon the devil were better planned and seemed more legit, the results were the same and everyone thought of him as another crook. Everyone but DeRay. His invocations were, were better planned. He went as far as letting DeRay know he was trying to invoke a gorgeous young demon called Baron, who would be the middleman between them and the devil. He knew he had DeRay wrapped around his fingers at this point, but to make things even better for himself, he excited DeRay with his description of Baron's incredible beauty. Get ready to fall in love guys Get ready to fall in love
1: Barren in his name and fertile is his love His eyes are poppy flowers Polished in the rain His mouth is ecstasy running down the wind His mouth is ichor cascading in the sky His mouth is liquid sex the opia of his hands, the feathers of his hands, the tongues of his hands. His body is white velvet marble. His hair is a drowsy god. He advances in a sonata of anomalies, impregnating the earth as he passes. Hey, come over here. It's like a punch <laughs> in the face.
0: <laughs> what, did you fall in love? That's how he described him to Doreen. Yeah, I would love to punch <laughs> you in the face. <laughs>
2: So, so that this is what this is what Gil was saying, or this is what no that's what this this, this is what Pellati was saying. Was telling Prelati. was telling, was telling
0: DeRay about the, the demon he was gonna that was the demon that was gonna be the middleman. He was so, like, dude, not only is he gonna help us out, this dude's kind of cute.
2: So then Gil's getting a chub off of the oh, dude. He
0: was fat ass hard. Chub, dude. He was hard for Baron. So Perlotti had alluded to this beautiful demon when he first met Blanchette in Florence. He said he had met and seen the Baron before. He said it took the shape of a beautiful young man and a flock of ravens accompanied him. Remember, ravens are associated with the devil, which is why they're known as like the metal bird, you know, they're metal as fuck. He said they spoke and both agreed on a pact of mutual assistance and corroboration. You know, they had a you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back kind of deal. So, Perlati's cute ass, he held three important invocations. And during each one of the three invocations, the Ray held the letter he signed with his blood. And the first invocation went like this Ooh, whoa. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, the first invocation occurred in the summer of 1439 in the Great Hall of Tifuge. Perlati, the Conjurer, de Ray, now thirty-five, Blanchet, the priest who found Perlati, Henriette, the Coriolot uh, were all present. Perlati made several necessary circles and esoteric, esoteric, esoteric signs with the tip of his sword, which sword though, which he had brought with him from Italy. It was welded in the form of a crucifix. The long, sleek blade was made of unalloyed steel. Which had been heated in a fire of laurel and cypress wood and cooled in snake blood. It had Kabbalist symbols etched onto it. Perlati Perlali mumbled satanic verses to himself. I conjure you, Baron, Satan, Lyle, Beelzebub, by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. By the Virgin Mary and all the saints to appear here in person to speak with us and do us our will.
1: Nice. It reminded me of Ghostbusters.
0: <laughs> you can actually hear this satanic verse on Creator of Filth's album. Godspeed. I figured. On the Devil's Thunder. (laughs) I figured that shit. I'm
2: like, this sounds like some black metal shit. Which
0: is all about Gilderay. On the song Sweetest Maleficia, which is track number 7 on the album. (laughs) Dude, and if that wasn't cool enough, the verse is being narrated by Doug fucking Bradley, the English actor most famous for playing Pinhead in the Hellraiser movies. Pinhead, to me, Pinhead's one of my favorite horror. Um, Pinhead. Hellraiser is one of my favorite horror movies because of Pinhead. He's this. So Doug Bradley, he's like this. He has like this booming, super serious English voice, and he then as Pinhead, he does. He's amazing, and he is. He says it. He says this fucking incantation. I mean, I would have said it better. Oh, like that? Like yep. how you did it earlier? Yep. Get you up real quick He has the best voice And he fucking kills it as DeRay on the album He plays DeRay Throughout the whole album you hear So that's him doing all the voices You hear the voices You hear him saying a bunch of things That that we're gonna hear in, in the next few episodes And mostly on the trial So he got so Danny Filth, singer creator Filth He did his homework and he grabbed a lot of quotes From DeRay And he made Doug Bradley act out as the on his album. So right now pause it and check out our Instagram, the weird history Eerie we Tells Pod, where we posted the short verse on one of our latest videos. So the, the falling Perlati ceremony,
2: everyone, but DeRay and perlati were sent out to wait in the great hall to keep lookout. So after they were alone, they entered the, the circle in the invocation. Gills carried his note to the devil, which he read in French. Come at my bidding, and I will give you whatever you want, except my soul. Fuck that,
0: and the curtailment of my life. So he told the devil, "I'll give you anything you want, except my soul and my life." But what the fuck the, the devil, this devil is like? What else do you have? You got no money? What the <laughs> fuck are you gonna give me, bitch? So Perlati
2: let DeRay know that it was important for him to have this note with him at all times, so that he can read the devil. Uh, he can read the note to the devil as soon as he presented himself. DeRay held the note constantly in his hand, as he waited the pact that Perlati and the devil would make, and to learn what DeRay would need to do for Satan in exchange for bringing his gold. So the ceremony started with both of them standing, waiting, but no demon responded. But there was no sound, no wind, no flickering of the candles or creaking of wood. So after waiting, Perlati said fuck it and slaughtered the birds, A turtle dove, a pigeon, and a rooster, one by one, shedding their blood slowly and mixing it with myrtle. This was a parody of the Christian baptism, but obviously a bit more satanic. Perlati then again repeated the verse, but the devil refused to show himself. DeRay stepped out of the circle, infuriated, and went to his bedroom with Perlati following. The next day, another attempt would be made. So,
0: when they said they heard nothing... They literally heard nothing. They heard so just quiet. went. quiet. Just quiet. So. <clears throat> DeRay was mad. And he stepped out of his room. I remember. It was just Heyman Perlotti in the room. Everyone fucked off. Yeah. They were either in his bedroom. Or outside in the hallway. For lookout. You know, for being for a lookout. And they noticed DeRay was mad. So DeRay. He, nothing happened. Nothing didn't. Nothing happened. So to lift his mood. And the reason why there was another attempt. The next day. Was because they told him. I think we heard hooves on the roof he's like oh shit it worked dude, like it might have worked so he, that got him you know that got him excited for it how the fuck are you gonna tell what hooves sound like he's you know what Perlotti Pirlati, perladi's like you hear that shit <laughs> <laughs> dude he is that dude he's that, he's,
1: desperate. He's that desperate he
0: wants no. his fucking money yeah
2: no. As as long as he stays there He's going to do whatever the fuck Perlotti wants.
0: And he knows, per- 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 Perlotti knows, he has him where the fuck he wants. He's grabbing him from his bulge. <laughs> so, so, the next, so the next morning, <laughs> Duray De- still mad, demanded Perlotti to once again to try and arrange another meeting with the devil. Perlotti and Corilu set out for a meadow near the village of Tifuz. This time, Duray's like, fuck it, I'm not even going to go. You guys are going to go for me. So they fucked off and went. So the two brought incense, a lodestone, which is a, like, naturally magnetized material, kind of like a magnetic rock, I guess. Okay. And a book of black magic, along with the raised note. So like last time, Perlati drew the circles and the signs and, pull, and pulled Corey Lu with him inside the circle. Perlati told Corey Lu to not do anything. No gestures, no praying, no nothing. Because anything could prevent a demon from appearing. So Perlati began his incantation and called out the name of Perrin, the beautiful-ass demon. The two waited with Lou stiff with fear, and like last time, there was no response except for an uncommonly strong chill wind that howled. Suddenly it became pitch black and the thunder clapped as rain started pouring out throughout the valley. After about half an hour of waiting, Perlati and Corilu returned to the castle without having encountered a single demon. Corilu, he was happy as shit that they hadn't found anything, that they hadn't seen anything. But DeRay on the other hand, he was fuming when Perlati handed him back his letter. His very wet letter. Sensing DeRay's frustration and not wanting to ruin his golden meal ticket, he waited for DeRay to be alone and convinced him that when no one was around, Baron actually appeared to him. Not once, not twice, but about a dozen times. And that in fact, he even actually delivered DeRay's note to him on one occasion. That's why it's wet. knew he had to do something to keep DeRay's interest in him, and he had to do it fast. So a few days later, DeRay heard horrible sobbing, sighing, and loud groans coming from the side chamber where Prelati claimed he spoke alone with Baron. Deray recognized these cries as the unmistakable sounds emitted from the devil's victims after he would ravage them. Remember, one of Deray's earlier wizards got his ass beat and Deray never forgot those sounds. Remember that old man, the one that got his ass beat? Yeah. Those are the same sounds he heard coming from this chamber. Too scared to investigate, Deray ordered Blanchet to find out instead. Like, dude, you go, you go, you go. So after a few minutes, Blanchet mustered up enough courage to walk to the room and peep through an interior and peep through an interior window into the room. He could see Perlati laid down on the floor, motionless. So he repeatedly called to him, who didn't respond, but only moaned loudly. So what I'm picturing is Blanchet walks in, sees him, and he's just like like, hey, and nothing. All Perlotti was doing was just moaning back to him. Blanchet then walked away and told DeRay of Perlotti's condition and had DeRay pacing back and forth. DeRay was nervous. He didn't know what the fuck to do. He, But he was too scared. He knew he was too scared to go in there. So, too scared to enter, they all waited in the hall. That's kind of fucked up. <laughs> when Perlotti suddenly appeared, he looked rough and he had large bruises on his forehead arms, legs as well as his chest and back. In a weak voice, Berlotti said the devil threw hands. He caught the devil's face. And the devil threw hands because he disrespected him. Berlotti said he belittled the devil for not appearing to DeRay when he called him forth. He called Lucifer and his demons a bunch of powerless bums. So he's telling DeRay, dude, I told his ass off. I'm like, stop being a bitch and appear when my home when my boy Deray's here and the devil appeared to him alone. He's like, Oh, you call me a bitch, huh? Cast his hands. And he fucked him up. Sadio was not only so naive, so mentally impaired, but he was also so incredibly determined to strike up a relationship with the devil that he believed Perlati's shenanigans and he became hysterical, he started freaking out. His only link to the devil, and now his lover, almost died because of the brutal encounter with the devil. He didn't want to lose one more person he loved. DeRay devoted himself to Pilate and all his wishes. He nursed him back to health personally as he would not let anyone, anyone else enter his room. So after Pilate recovered from his beating, He told DeRay he needed to speak to the Baron, he said I need to speak to the demon and DeRay was against it. He feared for his lover's life, he was scared that another invocation would would risk tragedy not only for Perlati but for himself too. Perlati had DeRay where he wanted him but he persuaded DeRay so that he could find out where the devil would make an appearance. So in the second invocation Baron told Perlati that the devil was upset. Duret had insulted him because he did not attend on three poor men who showed up at his castle for a meal on All Saints' Day, but the devil he wanted to, sh- you know, he wanted to show Duret his generosity. And in the corner of the room, an immense stack of gold ingots appeared where Perlati and Baron were speaking. So Perlati, he spoke to the, he spoke to Baron, who not only spoke to the devil, had the devil appear to Perlati. And he told Pallotti, the reason I'm not appearing is because Duray did not fucking tend to these three guys who were my people. But he's like, look, to show you guys I'm not a fucked up guy. Here. And he made a basically a pallet full of gold ingots, which is the gold bars, appeared in the room in the spot where Pallotti and Baron were speaking. So Baron disappeared after he pointed out the welcome surprise to Perlati. So they were talking and Perlati kind of pointed, Perlati turned around, saw the stack of gold, and Baron was gone. So here goes Perlati, storming out of the room and finds the ray, tells him him what has just occurred, and he brings him to the room filled with the devil's gold. So Perlati stormed into the room with the ray behind him, when he spots a fucking large green winged snake coiled up on the floor. He then turns around and tells DeRay do not enter the room for fear of the snake. DeRay, scared shitless, listened to Pralati and ran for cover with Pralati following. They both booked it down the hall. But Gil, he returned to the room a few moments later. He stood outside the door holding a crucifix and a holy relic he owned. A splinter of the holy rood, which is the true cross in which Jesus Christ was crucified on. Holy
1: shit. He yeah. had a piece of
0: fucking wood where Jesus, of the cross where Jesus Christ was crucified on. I, I don't think you get any more holy than that, right?
1: That's holy as fuck. That's a holy relic.
2: Surprises in the burning the
0: hands of Gilderay. All right. Piece of shit. So Perlotti, he told DeRay to not enter the room because the snake was the devil himself. DeRay hesitated. But he really wanted that fucking gold. He really needed the gold. So after a few moments he entered the room only to find yellow powder on the floor. Mm. Deray did not kick Priladi out of the castle after so many of his attempts failing f- falling flat. Instead, he instructed Priladi to conduct a third invocation at another one of his castles where Deray was heading to meet the Duke John V. Giles recognized the duke's indifference to him but he wanted to stay in the duke's favor. So Perlotti knew he was kind of losing the ray. I needed to fucking do something. So he stayed in his room, made up this whole story about how he spoke to the demon. The devil gave him a pile of gold and he stormed out and told the ray. He walked in. The ray found nothing. No snake. No nothing. Only gold powder. So desperate. He didn't get rid of of Perlotti. He just told him, do another invocation. He did. He did it in another castle. Where DeRay needed to be. So, like all the previous invocations and summonings, no demons and no gold appeared. The devil did not show himself nor leave gifts for DeRay. Perlotti then turned the blame on DeRay and insisted the reason why the devil would not show his face to them was because of all the religious objects DeRay insisted on keeping around. So, DeRay was getting mad and Perlotti was like, Look, motherfucker, it's your fault. How the fuck is the devil wanting, how the hell is he gonna show up when you have all this Christian shit? You have all these statues, all these... You have the fucking cross. The original, you have pieces of the cross in your fucking castle. Why would the devil appear? He had beautifully painted statuettes of saints, such as Michael, Catherine, Anne, and Dennis, all placed in the corners of his castle. He convinced the Ray that Satan needed greater proof of his allegiance. He convinced the Ray the devil needed human sacrifices
1: sacrifice
2: sacrifice
0: <clears> the <throat> ray as we all know
1: was not afraid to kill his enemy he proved it over and over again during his time as a soldier perlotti insisted on the ray taking an oath to kill five children the ray agreed but again demanded the safety for his life and soul piece of shit. piece of shit DeRay was becoming more unbalanced and delusional as time went on. He thought he could not only speak to the devil but also murder children and still not be at fault because he was only looking to the devil for a quick fix. When suddenly Joan of Arc, dressed in her white armor, appeared to him in the vision, he could not understand what she was saying but he assumed something horrible was about to happen to him. His heart was racing, his head pounding, he wanted to let her know what he had always clung to his Catholic fix and that he will never break from God. He started to have a difficult time breathing. He was having one of the many panic attacks he suffered in his later life. Perlotti demanded that DeRay give him some parts of a child. DeRay presented the, this insidious offering to Satan at his castle of refuge later that night. Dude, so,
0: while Perlotti's like, look. Like, we gotta, we gotta start doing some more shit. Like, you know, we gotta start doing some big shit. We gotta start sacrificing people. And when DeRay agreed, Joan of Arc appeared to him, and in this vision, Joan of Arc was pleading to him. She was like holding out her arms to him, but he couldn't understand what she was saying. And he understood he's like, "Fuck, she's probably warning me about something." But he didn't care. He's like, "I, I need my money. I'm broke. I need my money." He was, he was negative. He was negative. He had these overdraft charges up the ass. Like, he needed money and he needed it fast. Plus, he was this close already. In his mind, he probably thought, I'm, this is it. Like, I'm there. I'm there. Kill five children? Easy. Easy. Easy.
1: Easy. So, as DeRay was handing Perlotti this offering, Henriette and Corlute happened to walk in on them. During the trials, Corlew would say when he walked in on them, he found DeRay holding a linen cloth which held the hand, heart, and eyes of a child killed. DeRay, surprised to see them, he quickly placed the parts in the large glass chalice. The tiny corpse was still warm and lying on the floor. DeRay then stormed out of the room and told everyone to leave the room and lock the chamber. The ray went inside a chamber that was in the wing rarely used where Perlotti waited for him. The two waited for the devil to show as Perlotti held up the offering. Satan did not appear. In the dead of night, Perlotti quickly buried the baby's body along with its detached organs and hand in sacred soil near the castle's chapel. Neither of them showed remorse for the killing as Satan was their justification for the killing. Prelati never requested another sacrifice to the devil, but the murder and mutilations of young innocent children continued.
0: So this is where we start seeing DeRay's disgusting habit of killing children. And it was all because of who? Fucking Francesco Prelati, <laughs> mister Cute Q-Boy. So up until the 11th and 12th century. Gay life was accepted in Christian Europe and it was practiced openly. Homosexual art, poetry, music, it all flourished. But after the 12th century, the church's tolerance ho- towards homosexuality kind of went out the window as sexual deviants started practicing pedophilia. So homosexuals and pedophiles were seen as having lost their souls to the devil. The French, they had a three-strike warning against all homosexuals. For a first offense. You would lose your nuts. Second offense, the penis was gone, and the final strike resulted in being burned to death. Christians began fearing that God would smite any nation that supported homosexual behavior, which was now linked to the molestation of children and bestiality. But DeRay, he did not give a single fuck. He flaunted his homosexuality, and he flaunted it openly. And he probably did so because of who he was. He made sure that his castles were strictly all males. During the trials, he confessed that he hated the female sex ever since leaving the court. But his feelings for Joan of Arc were an aberration. She transcended sex. She was his heroine. But Joan was no longer around. Now it was his cousins, Gilles Sale and Brickville who encouraged his illicit behavior. They all shared long nights full of debauchery and abuse. There is no conclusive explanation for why DeRay began his deranged killing spree and why he started murdering hundreds of children. Nobody really really knows why he was obsessed with these horrible sex rituals and mutilations. His homoerotic adventures stopped providing satisfaction and, and entertainment for DeRay. Drunk out of their minds, DeRay and his close group of deviants began exercising their horrible perversions. With a belly full of hippocras after a night of sex and alcohol, they began to capture, rape, torture, and murder beautiful and innocent children. With DeSale and Brickfield's horrible encouragement, murder turned into a compulsive activity for DeRay. Now, out of his mind, DeRay couldn't really function without sodomizing and killing innocent children. Gil DeRay was now solely driven by his now irresistible urge for pedophilia and murder. And that is where we'll stop part three of our Gil DeRay series. So after that last
2: incantation... That's when Pretty boy was
0: No he stayed But this is where DeRay, like, <clears throat> After this Duray found Something he didn't care about gold anymore It's like fuck money He now just wanted to Rape but he killed children And he did There, No one knows the count The actual Actual account how many children he killed He was convicted of 80 That's how many bones they estimated They found in in his castle In his castles But as we found out They went out and buried They did a bunch of shit Some numbers are as high as 800 children So even Even if his lowest amount Was the one he was tried for Which is 80 children That's still a shitload of fucking people Children killed Not only did he kill But he raped and tortured so ooh, this series was originally supposed to be four parts. but while doing research and not trying to you know doing research and being short of time, it looks like it's gonna be a five part series. but to not to keep you guys just waiting for these for these episodes, Episodes 3, 4, and 5 Are gonna come at you Consecutively week after week So you're not gonna have to wait Two weeks for an episode To make So because I didn't expect for this series To be as long And I don't want you guys Listening to us for a month and a half Talking about the same shit I mean which You're gonna kinda have to But To make things easier for you guys For the next three weeks Well for the next two weeks After this episode Consecutively you're gonna get Episodes 4 and 5
2: Back to bed.
0: Back to back so that way you guys don't have to wait so long to see what happens with DeRay on episode 4 that one's going to be a heavy episode. That one we're going to put warnings before the episode begins because we get into horrible detail into how DeRay killed some of these children he would like he would like one of the things he loved to do it, it was horrible he would like to cut the bellies of boys and girls while they're still alive, and he would fuck the wound while he would hold them down. And his favorite thing to and his favorite thing, the thing he lived for, was seeing them take their last breath and like the body spasm as they're dying,
2: yeah.
0: as he's coming. That was his thing, and we're gonna talk about shit like that in episode four. Fuck, it gets gross, and so it's brace gross. Yourself. So brace yourselves We're gonna put warnings It's horrible
2: Trying to try brace hor- myself right now
0: I'm yeah. bracing I'm writing this shit I'm like oh I have to I take just, breaks I just I, gagged a little I'm like I'm like scripting the episode I have to After like after like a page or two I have to go outside And play with the dogs Like fuck this. dude This is horrible <laughs> This is horrible But yeah it's This is where we get into The horrible This is where we get to What D- Gil DeRay was all about
2: There's a reason why We call him a piece of shit this Yeah is and This is
0: And That's what episodes. Is gonna be all about Just nothing but the but not it's horrible. I hate to I hate to say it, but episode four is gonna be nothing but rape and murder of children. And you're gonna find out how he did it, what he was, how he, how he was doing it, how every how he had how he hired people to go get children for him. People would go out and go get children for DeRay to help him do all this shit. And he would sometimes he would do five, six, seven children in a night. And not only that, it was him and his fucking group—Gilda, sale Roger, Perlati. Everyone—they all joined in on it. It wasn't just Dere they were all into it. They were all doing it. Sometimes they were all doing it to the same kid at the same time. Shit's gonna get
1: gross. Yeah, you can do that episode (laughs) right (laughs) now.
2: Josh's face says it all.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: I'm going to have you guys read all the details. I'm going to have you guys do all the details. All the detailed macabre killings. That's
2: you. That's you and that voice.
0: (laughs) The barren voice? The barren voice. Also, this is episode 40, guys. We did 40. 40. 40 Four, zero. 40 fucking episodes already. This is 40 episodes. This is fucking nuts. I didn't think we were going to go as far, this far. Hey, fuck you, man. No, I mean not that. I just <laughs> I just fuck? didn't I just didn't see like I I don't I don't want to think ahead. You know what I mean? Like I didn't Got to aim high, Willis. I didn't think I don't know, like I didn't I'm focused on the episode we're doing and the episode at hand. I wasn't focusing like when I started it, hopefully fucking 16 months from now I'm still doing it. I mean, low key, it was, but I didn't think it was gonna be like, "Oh shit, I'm here, I'm doing this wow. fucking forty
1: episodes." He's, he's calling us two pieces of shit. I was gonna say, he's nah, i you think a this podcast." Yeah. Well, why me? Us? <laughs> There's no just me. You too. I'm just shitting on. I'm shitting on you. I mean, he's I mean, like, "I'm gonna make this podcast. It might not last because I got these two fucks, <laughs> you know, partaking in this fucking podcast." But you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. You're welcome. I hey, remember originally it was gonna be me, Archie, and stupid as Renee. I wasn't even included. Stupid oh, bitch Renee. My. And then we asked you to join in for I the roundtable. After-
1: after- oh, my God. I'm hurt. I didn't know this. Yes, you I, did. I did not know this. I thought yes. I was, was planning of the of the original trio. Your plan C. And then and then Renee was just, you know, Renee. Your plan C. It- not
0: even Plan B, Plan C, Plan C. So, Bro, so I'm hurt. I'm hurt, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. To <laughs> to history. Uh-huh. Oh, originally, I had spoken to Archie about doing this podcast when we all, when, when we all went to Big Bear. Oh, that's true. Remember, we I all went to there, Big Bear, and you I didn't there? hear any of this. I didn't hear any of. Well, this. you didn't listen to the other podcast. <laughs> so what? So I didn't know you, you were in f- a fan. So what? So I, I knew Archie. I'm like, maybe Archie might want to do another podcast. I was
1: born for this. So I was we born did. for the microphone. So we did it. You're born. I'm a man of a thousand voices,
0: bro. <laughs> and I and the funny right, thing is four, but <laughs> <laughs> not a thousand. And the funny thing is, I told him like five minutes before we recorded episode zero. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm like hey, we're gonna do a, a roundtable episode. You want to jump in? He's like, uh, what the fuck am I gonna do? I'm like, just answer questions. And after he did it, I'm like, all right, fuck it. I get like, yeah, he, he fits.
1: Yeah. That was your interview. I mean, I mean, I was told I was a character.
0: I mean, not a good one. But <laughs> I'm a character. Not only do we want to thank you guys for listening to us for forty fucking episodes, forty episodes. Thank rambling, you Rambling, stuttering through all these hours. I want to give a huge shout out to Carmen, one of our listeners. She's a huge fan of our roundtable series. She says she says she loves listening to them. She listens to them over and over again. I, I don't know why she would. Anyway. bring mean you have issues, girl. <laughs> what? Not only that, she said she was listening to our latest one where it was. Where you. Who, who was doing the last one? Was it. I, I was hosting. The host? That. Yeah, the host was actually. Ho- I was hosting. It was just me and my brother, up. right? No, it was Renee. Renee. Rene. Rene. She says that episode. She said she was laughing so hard and ugly at <laughs> work. They told her to shut <laughs> up. They, she had to stop listening because her coworkers were looking at her going, like, Hey, shut, shut, shut the, the fuck up. up. Hey, Carmen, shut up. Shut the, shut the fuck up. up. <laughs> She said she was ugly laughing throughout the whole episode. And she loved that episode so much that she heard about us broke bitches not having anything to hold to hold up. Trophy, up To hold up as a trophy. She bought us a trophy. She bought us an amazing trophy for us to hold up that you're going to be able to see on our Instagram. And,
2: and thank you for not putting a bomb in there or anything like that. I, she, she like for being a true fan Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like,
0: <laughs> Not like, like a serial killer When she told me She wanted to send us something I was hoping like, oh, I hope it's hoping that Anthrax <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope it's not. She sent it to our house You know we don't have A P.O. box or anything So she sent it to our house So thank you for not Bombing us Or killing us I don't know Maybe we have to open the trophy Like maybe we're speaking A little too soon Yeah maybe <laughs> But I wanted to now. Carmen Thank you guys Thank hey, you it's, it's so much a It's a dope ass trophy It's a dope ass trophy It is a dope ass trophy And I totally forgot I have an engraver Oh She's so, She told us she was going to get it engraved, but she's like, I don't know what to put. So she left it open. So now, thanks to that, now we have an engraver that we're going to be able to put. Roundtable champion. And not only, like, the the, the trophy's cool. Like, the trophy's amazing. It's probably like, what, like, 12 inches? Yeah. Like, 12, 14 inches? And it's fucking gold. Obviously not gold, but it's, like, gold colored, and and it's dope. And when we opened the box, it said Monster Hunter trophy. Which is kind of fit. Like it's fits. It's cool. The dude dripping off his shirt. He has a huge V for victory. He looks like Akuma from Street Fighter. He does look like Akuma. He looks like Akuma. Not only that, she actually wrote us a note that came with it. Oh, she did. And she put, hey guys, hope you guys love the hope you guys like the trophy. Keep up the amazing and funny work. Carmen. Dude, this is. Amazing, that's I, sick. And I, I never imagined there were gonna be Would people be fans giving us yeah, buttons. like that's cool, man. You know, like <laughs> that's really
1: cool. I expected, like, hey, fuck off, you know. <laughs> I mean, destroy, we dismantle we we get, this podcast. We, we didn't get that in
0: the beginning we in did. our, well,
1: that was in one, our iTunes yeah, comments. but but that was that, that was different. You that, think you're funny? Do you, you fucking suck dick? <laughs> yeah, that's how he sounded. Especially that's he how he pictured him.
0: He said, "That's what he said." He's like, "Oh, I hate when they think they're a thousand times funnier than they really are." I was yeah. like, "Damn, I, that like, kind of hurt." Suck. Though I that know, I'm, I'm kind of hurt. That's yeah. the thing I have going for me. I think I'm funny, so I'm like, "Fuck." But Carmen, thank you so much. That's we're, so gonna, cool. we're gonna post a picture. We're gonna have my my brother holding up the trophy, giving yep. his stupid ass speech I about how speech about how Renee hey, you fucking
1: better, you better give out your speech. All man. right, I'll start practicing.
0: About how fucking. The speech, and I should have been giving it, but stupid ass Renee ruined it for me. <laughs> stupid bitch. The plan. God damn it. I should have won that fucking. Should have won that last round table. We gotta do another one. I don't know. Not anytime soon. Cause I, you know, we kinda you kind of did them a few. You backed up right yeah. now with a bunch of. You want me to host it again? Nah, yeah. I'll host <laughs> it. I'll host you it. You can't host it cause I'll you're host def- it. You're defending. I don't care. You're defending. Ch- you're defending. I-, I-, I will retire. You're defending.
1: Hey, the with match is
0: between you and Renee. No, the, the- match is between. You, you're, Renee. you're defending it.
1: Nah, I retire my shit and I'll be the host. I be Renee, huh? I be Renee. I, I be Renee too. I know, but it's I'll not beat between you me too. and Renee. <laughs> 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 oh fighting words. words. Do you hey, any, okay, you gotta be a Do you guys have anything else to add before we be end this I stupid be, I ass I episode? Mean, not, I mean, not. Shout out to Carmen and everyone else who's listening to our podcast, especially uh, uh, our friends as well who recently got into it. They they love our podcast. I mean, we told a couple of buddies of mine, me my media friends over here mm-hmm. and at first they were like okay cool but they weren't really into podcasts and then one of them on his uh, commute back from uh, the coachella area and all that he started getting into it and he enjoys it right he's a cop and he enjoys that shit and then he got my other friend into it and then he's a big fan of it he said at first it was kind of hard for him to get into because he wasn't really into any podcast and then he recently got into it, and he's he just finished uh, uh, one of the Halloween specials. Yeah, so he's also, shout one. out so he, to Raúl. Yeah, so he's like in the 17th, yeah, 18th. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said he's not gonna give us a review Stupid until he's out. until he's caught up, so he could give an honest review. Oh, okay. Not just because we're wow, friends. But nah, a, a don't give us an honest review. <laughs> give us a fake review. <laughs> give us five stars. Put us on. No Yelp. one's gonna know the difference. <laughs> Put us on Yelp. Yeah. So shout out to everyone who's, who's listening to our podcast.
2: I didn't know what a podcast was Until your previous podcast So Keepers of the Filth Until Keepers
0: of the Filth yeah, That was like five years yeah, ago Five years ago it was Like five years ago when yeah. we were doing it And then Yeah, like five years ago And then before So it was five years ago That I started first podcasting And then It was a year before that That I was thinking when I was trying it out That I was like Alright, shit I kind of want to do this mm-hmm. And I want to do it Because I'm a huge fan of Kevin Smith And he's like the king of podcasting And to Kevin Smith and through one of my favorite podcasts of all time, which is the HP Lovecraft literary podcast. That's one of my favorite podcasts. Like I listen to them, and they're they're the reason why I wanted to do a podcast. I'm like, dude, it's fucking listening to them. It's two buddies talking about Lovecraft. They go over their stories. Now obviously they've they've been doing it for since like 2012. So they've been done with podcasts. I mean, they've they've been done with HP Lovecraft. So now they cover stories that HP Lovecraft loved. And H.P. Lovecraft related stories Where they read it I mean they don't read it But they read segments And they have professional voice actors Read segments And it's re- It's in a really amazing podcast We're professionals mm. <clears throat> Yeah I got solid four voices I'm, yeah. good. I'm his, good His, his am a thousand, thousand voices His a thousand, <laughs> thousand, thousand voices A man,
2: voices. man of, of a thousand voices Yeah,
0: yeah so yeah. they're So they're the reason Why I wanted to do podcasting I'm like dude This seems fun no, Kevin Smith was the reason why I wanted to do podcasting. I just don't know what the fuck. I'm like, dude, I have nothing to talk about. And then I heard HB, the H.P. Lovecraft letter podcast. I'm like, oh, shit. I can talk about shit that I want to talk about. Hopefully someone's listened. Hopefully someone listens. And for our first podcast, no one listened. No one, no one listened. I think we did like 30 episodes. I think we got up to like 900 downloads. This one reached 40. We're over the 30. Thousand fucking mark. Thirty thousand. Fucking stupid. Thank 30, you guys miles. for that. Thirty, 30 So again, you guys could watch, look at the trophy, look up the that 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 Cradle of Filth satanic verse that fucking Doug Bradley narrates so brilliantly on our Instagram at the Weird History. We you can pod. hear what it actually
2: sounds like, not how I butchered it the first time. Cause that's what I thought it sounded <laughs> like. <laughs> it was be, no, no, that
1: that
0: was, was a
2: good attempt. I thought I was gonna be the vocalist and his freaking, you know. I
1: would have done t- the typical voice. <laughs> <laughs> the bad
0: voice.
1: You want to give uh, it a shot? You want to give I'm it, it <laughs> a shot? I thought you guys <laughs> weren't to listening. To shit, it's just trash. Low key, it's
0: amazing. Oh, so thank amazing. you guys. Thank you guys for the support, Carmen. Thank you, Carmen, for the fucking out. for the trophy. We're gonna we're gonna keep this like this trophy's on our – Like it's gonna be visible. It's gonna be right next to our um setup right next to our setup. right now the studio is a mess because we have dartboards we have flags all over the place that we still need to place around the studio like right for whatever reason now that we've moved shit around there's a lot more echo so we have to figure out a good way to start placing shit so the studio is a mess right now but we're slowly but surely getting it fixed getting it done right putting it together so after it's all said and done we're gonna you know, like we had people curious to see what the what our fuck what the studio looks like. I guess we we'll post a little video, post the pictures. There's nothing big. It's just a huge ass room with a bunch of fucking band flags and d and and d and fucking memorabilia all over the fucking place. Yep. And now YuGi Mats. Oh, now we have fucking Yu-Gi-Oh cards all fucking over the nerd. place.
1: It's
2: wonderful. It is. And you
0: guys can see all of these. You can see all our pictures, all our videos. Oh, you can see what the fuck we look like actually we need to post pictures we need to have like a like a, a photo shoot to see what the fuck people hey, see we're
2: tr- what, we trying to get more listeners not get
1: less <laughs> that's true unless let I me mean, just end the goddamn <laughs> episode I, we're, 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 just,
0: just end it all right guys thank you guys so much and as always we are the weird history here retails pod bye